0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Thanks for joining us. We wrap up what has been an extremely busy week. Today, we're going to talk about a thawing of trade between the U.S. and China. China buying some soybeans, some talk, maybe some Corn purchases coming we're going to talk about that with dave Salmonson with the american farm bureau federation get market reaction from arlen suderman with INTL fc stone but let's start things off with a check on the news todd neely with dtn joins us todd thanks for joining us uh, one of the big stories this week was the release of the new waters of the u.s rule what kind of reaction are you hearing
2: well hey mike thanks for having me on today um you know, I think in, in many respects, one of the things that was most striking about this release, uh, the EPA held a ceremony, and typically, um, I mean, basically the ceremony was the sign, uh, you know, the Federal Register notice that was going to be put forward here in the next couple weeks. Um, and they, they held a ceremony. I mean, we were talking about many uh, members of Congress, uh, different people in the President's Cabinet, um, and usually you know we 've seen a few of these over you know the past couple of years, and it 's usually a typical uh very short and to the point, but this thing went over an hour on Thursday, which uh we saw a member of Congress you know after a member of Congress get up and speak about the water rule uh the twenty fifteen rule um and i I think that was fairly striking because uh you know when you look at the new proposal um the EPA seriously is trying to answer a lot of the concerns that farmers and ranchers had about the 2015 rule, um, and I think on its face, I, I think this proposal definitely gets a lot closer, um, you know, to bringing some certainty to, to farmers. And I, and I, and I think one of the most interesting parts of this is it seems to re, be returning, um, you know, to the question of traditional navigable waters. Um, in this proposal there are just six categories of jurisdictional waters that the EPA is proposing uh, and many of those have been you know traditionally uh, considered waters of the u.s to begin with you know like tributaries uh, certain ditches that were navigable uh, lakes and ponds and, and things that you would think of when you think of a navigable water uh, you know the previous rule was was quite um, quite extensive in that, uh, you know, there are many dry land features that that could be considered under jurisdiction. And so this rule, uh, you know, no doubt about this is going to go to court at some point. But, I mean, I think when you see this proposal, it's definitely something that I think farmers and ranchers can look at with a little bit of a sense of relief.
1: Yeah, it seems to bring back more common sense, and as I've said before, it it now also puts agriculture to position of working with EPA on this rather than against them. Yes. found it found it interesting though that in the farm bill, uh, Congress could have uh, struck down the old WOTUS rule, that twenty fifteen rule, but they did not. Right. Yeah,
2: and I think uh, you know it it makes some sense because uh, whatever we do next, you know, if it's the fifteen rule that goes by the wayside and this new rule is adopted. Um, it's got to be legally defensible. I mean, you know, as we've seen, you know, in the past decade, uh, you know, many of the things that agriculture does and, and it's associated with agriculture faces court challenges. And I think what you can see in this rule is that EPA, uh, you know, it looked at a number of different Supreme Court decisions and tried to blend all those together. And uh, you know, whether it actually holds up in court or not, going to be you know something determined later. But I, I definitely think that. Um, you know, you can look at this rule and say, "Oh, okay, I kind of understand what they're talking about here." We, you know, we can we can look at a certain pond on our farm and say, "Okay, this is definitely exempted." Um, you know, it also will exempt isolated wetlands. And so, if a wetland, uh, the only way a wetland can come under jurisdiction is if it abuts a traditional navigable water or it's connected in some way. Um, whereas the previous rule, uh, you know, they used this significant nexus test, which basically uh, it basically had no limits as to what could be connected and what could be jurisdictional. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, this is probably the best route to go to actually have a uh, a rule coming from EPA. You know, members of Congress come and go and and bills come and go. And so I think this probably is something that's a bit more, uh, makes a bit more
1: sense. We're talking with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, uh, today it looks like Secretary Purdue will talk with the president about the second wave of trade assistance for farmers uh, with the news of some soybean purchases by China, not nearly what they were doing, but some, and uh, the hope of more. Some are now uh, saying that the USDA should hold off on those payments, even though Secretary Purdue has said he thinks they will be made. What are you hearing?
2: Well, I, I think that's something that, you know, I mean, you know, Steven Sinske was in, in Iowa uh, yesterday speaking to soybean people, um, and one of the things that came out of that was that, you know, the USDA and the Office of Management and Budget are going back and forth on this program and its costs. And um, I think what you're going to see play out, you know, if the president made this promise that these payments were coming, I, th- I think ultimately that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, whether China decides uh, to go full in on the soybean market at this point is still something i think you know anyone can just kind of guess on that but um when you look at what they bought um it is so far below what was expected even under this current trade scenario i mean we were expecting you know 30 million metric tons if not more um which would still be you know about half of what china normally would purchase and so um you know the buy was was really a nice thing to see but i i think um you know, I think Trump and the I think the administration's waiting and, and trying to get a bigger a bigger hit on this. But having said that, I, I think, you know, if the president had promises, I, I really think that he's going to carry this out.
1: One other note, um, Todd, looks like there's going to be some money from USDA to help rule America with broadband and some of the challenges there. Can you give us any information on right. that?
2: Yeah, USDA, uh, I believe it was yesterday, they announced about a $600 million uh, loan program uh, for rural communities, and it, it specifies in there different types of technologies that the USDA is willing to support. Um, you know, this could be a, a, a really big deal. Obviously, $600 million is probably a very small percentage of what rural America actually needs to build out. Um, you know, we're talking many billions of dollars to get this thing you know, to to get broadband available, and you know, there's a lot of issues that that go around broadband. You know, it's an economic issue for farmers. Um, you know, being online and being a presence online as as a farmer is, is something that can be very beneficial and is very beneficial. Um, you know, we've got some areas of the country where there just is no internet access at all, and so, um, you know, on not only the economic side, but when you look at health issues. Um, you know, in the opioids crisis that we see across the country, you know, telemedicine is a big deal in rural America, and it's something that I think a lot of small communities are looking at um, to use to try to, to meet some of the healthcare needs. And so when you're talking about broadband, there's a lot of different uh, rural issues involved with that, and I think, you know, we're going to continue, I think, to see more of these types of investments from USDA, and certainly this is welcomed, but it's uh, quite a long way to go yet. Yeah,
1: you're right. Long ways to go. It's a critical issue indeed. Todd, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. All right. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Todd Neely with DTN. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. USDA confirming that China purchased 1.13 million metric tons of U.S. soybeans this week. Uh, still way below what uh, they were buying, but perhaps a step in the right direction. We'll talk with Dave about that. Is this a thawing of relations? Are we going to get back to uh, previous sales numbers or not? We'll talk about that coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
3: the holiday season you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another all of them do good work we're asking you not to forget us every child deserves a little Christmas every year since 1947 the US Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. toysfortots.org. All one word. toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org. Delivering hope since 1947.
4: I can't believe he found them.
3: He seems sorry.
4: We very clearly told him not to look up there.
5: I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it.
4: Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Yeah,
5: I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year.
4: I really thought we had hidden them well.
6: If they can find their presence, they can find a gun.
4: 911, what is your emergency?
6: Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire.
0: Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and week in review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Or you can search for the American Ag Network.
4: This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill.
0: Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago if you're still searching for the
5: perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and free information on today's craftmatic adjustable beds and then decide when you see how little they cost rated number one by consumers nationwide on consumeraffairs.com craftmatic beds come in all mattress types including cool gel memory foam for up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand enjoy temporary relief of low back pain poor circulation nighttime heartburn mild arthritis
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: China buying some U.S. soybeans. That's uh, big news. Now it's not a big purchase yet compared to what they had been buying, but hopefully a step in the right direction. Let's talk about it with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. How big of a story is this?
7: Well, in the context of the discussions that China and U.S. are having, I think it's a very big story. It's one of the concrete things that have come out of that uh, meeting in Buenos Aires a few weeks ago, where we all understood, uh, we thought we understood, of course, at the time, that in the agreement to go ahead with discussions, the 90-day discussions, that there would be some signals from China that they were serious. and. Uh, Certainly, had uh, hoped that one of those signals would be starting some purchases of U.S. ag products, especially soybeans. And now we see some concrete evidence uh, that is happening. Uh, of course, we all hope there's uh, there's a lot more to come, but it is a uh, a good start to that, and fits along with the story and with what we expect to have happen uh, with better uh, U.S.-China trade relations going forward. So a uh And a a good start to uh, China re-entering the U.S. soybean market.
1: Okay, what's behind it? Is it just the talks or a a big need by China that they needed to address for soybeans? Or, Or what do you think was the real impetus here?
7: Well, I think there was some of that. Certainly, I think they have a need. Of course, they've uh, they're so far down in what they normally have bought for us, so they've had to disrupt some of their uh, own internal buying of soybeans and uh, they know that we certainly have a lot to sell at a good price. So, I think there was the just the uh, and waiting for it to happen. And I think this, of course, is a, is in the context of all of this U.S.-China uh, trade talks going forward. That this was seen as uh, part of their goodwill uh, into that this discussion for their side. So uh, again, we hope they uh, hope they feel the need to uh, do more.
1: There's been some talk that uh, some corn purchases may be coming too.
7: Well, I think that would fit in also. I think they, again, you know, if you go back to what they're usually doing uh, a year ago before all of this uh, trade tension with China started uh, earlier in 2018, can you get back to the normal pattern of purchases? And they certainly uh, always buy these products from us. And uh, the demand is still there in China to have this. And if the government would let it happen, I'm sure the buyers would uh, come to the market very quickly. So uh, a, a good sign that maybe this is uh, the tension there, the restrictions will, uh, will let up.
1: Hopefully. We're talking with Dave Salmon, with yeah. the American Farm, Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, let's uh, take a look at uh, how are things going with Japan? Anything new there?
7: Well, with Japan, um, I mean, officially the talks uh, won't get started until the middle of January. That's when the 90-day notice period runs out. Remember, the U.S. has to notify Congress before they can enter formal negotiations, there have been uh, discussions uh, ongoing. I think the Japanese, uh, I think you know, want to engage in this uh, for a couple purposes. What's driving this uh, at this moment? Of course, you know they were willing to uh, if you go back a few years, engage with the U.S., and have that deal that was as part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. They still want to have the deal. They want to have better trade relations. They want to, uh, you know, have them to have opportunity, and the U.S. to have opportunity in their market. So that's all that continues. All the basic stuff behind the U.S.-Japan uh, trade desires are still there. Of course, it's pushed on more at this time by the fact that the U.S. has those steel and aluminum tariffs on uh, China, on Japanese exports. They have not gone down the retaliation route, but they, just like all the other countries, would like to get this resolved as soon as possible. So I think they uh, feel that entering into trade negotiations helps that, uh, helps uh, move that process along. And they're also trying to uh, hold off any auto tariffs. Um, They certainly don't want to have that happen to their auto industry. So there is a lot of reason uh, for them to want to engage in direct talks with the U.S. Uh, Their preference always is and I'm sure continue to be, to be to have the U.S. join the uh, Comprehensive and Progressive Transfer Chip pacific Partnership as it's been renamed, but they know they have to engage in uh, direct talks with the U.S., so I think they're, uh, they're eager in that sense to move forward.
1: Any indication that uh, we're going to lift these uh, steel and aluminum tariffs?
7: Well, we're all pushing on that. I think uh, the ag industry is uh, getting even more vocal, and uh, you know, American Farm Bureau this week, our board of directors, uh, took up a few resolutions. One, of course, we went through our formal process, and our board approved uh, and came out with support for the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement and also approved a resolution calling on the uh, administration to try to wrap these up, try to uh, you know, take care of the steel and aluminum tariff issue, because of the uh, bad impact of retaliation on U.S. A- agriculture from the various countries, you know, Mexico, Canada, China, uh, where these tariffs have been imposed. And I know there are discussions um, where they will end up. But all we can do is uh, uh, express our frustration, uh, the impacts these are having, and uh, keep encouraging the administration to try to get this, uh, get this resolved.
1: You know, an interesting part of the farm bill that passed this week, uh, farmers and ranchers can will be able to access USDA funding to promote ag trade with Cuba. How significant is that?
7: Well, that's something that's been talked about for uh, the last few years. Uh, restrictions have been uh, placed on the U.S. funding of activities in Cuba. So now through this uh, farm bill, um, it authorizes... MAP, FMD funds, market promotion funds from the government to help uh, U.S. agriculture, the U.S. Uh, promotion programs to do some work in Cuba. You know, we sell about $240 million a year into Cuba, um, primarily, you know, a lot of poultry, uh, some other uh, more animal-related products, but they import over $2 billion a year in food. And we know we could uh, take a lot of that market. I mean, estimates have been we could sell over a billion dollars a year uh, into Cuba, especially if we could get rice and, and wheat and other products. We could really uh, sell a lot to them. But we still have the ongoing restriction, and that, of course, is not addressed, uh, not addressed in a farm bill. We'll take uh, other, another place for this action to happen to lift the restrictions that we have uh, where we can't extend credit cannot extend credit uh, to Cuba. That's barred by law. So um, have to use cash and go to third country banks, and just cumbersome. Can't use the normal trade letter of credit processes. And certainly that's what uh, U.S. ag, U.S. food companies want to be able to do. We know we could expand exports if we could. So uh, a good uh, signal there. I'm I'm sure that will be helpful, make uh, U.S. food products uh, more uh, accessible, a more known in the cuba market through the promotion programs hopefully we will help growth there but we will continue to work uh, going ahead to try to resolve some of these uh, other uh, transaction issues we have with cuba
1: yeah so we can promote our products there we just can't help them in purchasing them at, at, right, at this point right. we'll, we'll see if at there's any point, change yes. there yeah um europe wow they're still caught up in the brexit mess aren't they
7: well, yes, they're, uh, they're trying to do a lot of things also. We think we, we have a, a full plate. They do, too. Um, they're dealing with multiple crises with all those countries at the same time, it seems, dealing with Brexit. Um, we all follow the drama going on in Parliament these days and how that gets resolved. Um, but EU, at the same time, they have to deal with that. And they're also you know facing and want to have these uh, trade discussions with the U.S. also, which could begin early next year there been a lot of issues. We're still going back and forth on how agriculture will be treated. Uh, They have internal issues, but uh, the U.S. is adamant, and we strongly, uh, fully support that, that the E.U., if they're going to engage in a trade negotiation with the U.S., has to deal with the agriculture issues that we have uh, outstanding. Uh, Always we have uh, their restrictions on our exports, to the E.U., of beef and pork and poultry, um, how they treat geographic indications, how they treat biotechnology, Um, You know, these are ongoing, uh, we view, as uh, barriers to exports, barriers to trade. And so we want to to talk about those in the context of all the other issues that uh, the U.S. and the EU have uh, that they need to work out in a trade agreement. So I think that's some of the um, uh, back and forth that goes on before negotiation starts. But we're encouraged that we'll actually sit down and have talks. Uh, We know they're difficult. We know these things don't happen quickly. That's the uh, state of the relationship. But we have good good trade with the European Union, over $12 billion a year of U.S. ag exports. They have really good trade with us. Some years it's up to about $20 billion of ag and food products that come uh, from the EU countries to the U.S., so a uh, a very vigorous trade, and uh, we know we could do better. We know we could expand that, so we're very interested in these uh, upcoming talks.
1: Lots going on, and we get ready for the push for a vote next uh, year on the USMCA, so we'll have plenty more to talk about. Dave, thanks a lot for being with you us.
7: You bet. Take care.
1: Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, so China buying some U.S. soybeans. How do the markets view that and where could that lead us? We'll talk with Arlen Suderman with INTL-FC Stone. That's coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
0: Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
4: What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience.
3: As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it
4: has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on America and the Ad Council.
0: It's time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Corn futures are trending higher on this Friday amid reports that Chinese buyers could be interested in buying large amounts of U.S. corn. Some in the market believe the Chinese announcing a purchase of 10 to 12 million tons of corn from the U.S. is more realistic than any announcement of the Chinese buying enough soybeans to put the market. Back on track with USDA's yearly forecast, private exporters on Friday did report sales of 300,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to China, sales of 130,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations, and export sales of 125,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Japan. March corn settled slightly lower as consolidative trade continued on Thursday on this Friday trending two to three higher an hour into the day since December 3rd the March corn contract has been stuck in a range bordered by resistance at 387 and 3 quarters which we are flirting with on this Friday Gap support seen at 380. Chicago wheat busted to the top side yesterday through key resistance. The burden lies on bulls to defend any near-term pullbacks. Fraction to a penny and a fraction higher an hour into the day in Chicago wheat. Soybean futures trending a fraction to a penny and a half higher. January soybeans sank to a lower close on Thursday. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we are awaiting cash cattle trade in the Central and Southern Plains. Bid seen around 115 live, asking 121. December live cattle 119.72, up 25 cents. Feeders trending a dime higher. Lean hog futures 35 to $1.42 higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson.
1: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Devorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the hard
6: part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1 800 489 7204. 1 800 489 7204. That's 1 800 489 7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed to management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM 80031.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: China buying U.S. soybeans again. Let's talk about it with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. Do the markets view this as a drop in the bucket or a step in the right direction?
8: See all the above. Um, (laughs) But the bottom line is they're not going to fix the soybean balance sheet. We're simply producing too many soybeans we're coming into this week now, uh, into these purchases with marketing years sales prior to the Chinese sales, uh falling short of the pace needed to hit USG's target by four hundred and fifty million bushels. So we would have to have a sizable purchase just to get us back on pace. Doing that would significantly price us out of the world market then with Brazilian beans coming on and we'd see quickly all the non China business that we've been enjoying the last six months Switch south of the equator so um, the soybean balance sheet simply needs to lose acres i figure we need to lose about eight to ten million acres this next year and the market has not yet faced that issue
1: Hmm. so what do you think's behind the china purchase Uh, is it uh, a goodwill gesture a sign of desperation they needed beans what do you think uh, led to this
8: a purely goodwill gesture, gesture trying to show that they're they're doing something, making progress. Uh, I think the real news is in the other commodities that they purchase. We expect them to make significant purchases of corn, milo. Perhaps ethanol, DDGS. Uh, I think that'll have a much bigger market impact. Um, but soybeans, they're not going to—they're not simply not going to fix the balance sheet. But they know that that's what's getting all the focus. They know that that's what the administration is focused on. So they're making some purchases. You know, our sources have been telling us within China, maybe six to eight million metric tons. Uh, and and that simply isn't going to close that gap from where we are right now in our deficit
1: All right, so we're getting close to those uh, South American beans coming on the market to add to this situation where do you see bean prices going here at the end of this year and first of next year
8: well I'm really concerned about the fact that we're not low enough to discourage soybean acres that we need to as I said we probably need to lose eight to ten million acres we last did that About a dozen years ago, going into the 2007 growing season, we needed to switch from beans to corn. uh, A very similar switch of loss of around—I think that year we lost 11 million acres of soybeans. That took a soybean new crop soybean to corn price ratio about 1.9, 1.93. Which, if you hold December corn at four dollars, would mean uh, seven seventy beans if i 'm doing my math correctly for November beans i 'm worried about a price war uh, between the u s and Brazil and Argentina in the February March time period in order to accomplish that task and try to move soybeans. so I think there's some significant downside risk for soybeans while the corn market looks much healthier.
1: How much healthier
8: if we if we get a sale of China, that of the scope that we are hearing from our people within China, then I think that this market could probably absorb about 6 million acres of corn, increase in corn acres next year with 180 bushel yield without doing real damage. So what that says is that doesn't mean we rally sharply, but it means uh, that we can absorb the acres coming nicely from soybeans without too much pr- without too much trouble and we still wouldn't have much margin for error if we had a weather problem and so i think that'll start attracting the fund money to uh to spread uh corn against soybeans
1: yeah that's interesting because i was as you were talking about the need to get rid of soybean uh, switch out of soybean acres i'm thinking wow didn't that put a lot of pressure on corn But you think uh, the market's ready to absorb that
8: yeah absolutely when you look at the global balance sheet uh... we need to buy a couple million acres of corn for next year anyway if we have no business with china just so the rest of the world uh production is falling short of growth in demand. So if you add China into that, then that increases that to several million more acres. um, And that's assuming it's just a one-time purchase of corn. But Right now, it does make economic sense for China to buy corn. The the math works. It's very attractive for them to do so. And that helps build the balance sheet and helps absorb those acres that uh, soybeans need to get rid of
1: talking with Arlen Suderman with INTLFC Stone. Arlen, I think we've tried to uh, remind everyone for some time now that uh, China isn't just going to be the magic bullet to fix everything in the ag economy. I mean, if we can get back to where we were and get some growth, yeah, that's going to help. But uh, that alone isn't going to fix everything, is it?
8: It really isn't. Now, on the positive, of course, one of the things hurting soybean demand right now is the African swine fever which we expect to result in significant increases in imports of meat, which means that meat production is going to be shifting to other parts of the world, including the United States, I believe. And that starts diversifying where the soybean demand is in the world as well. And not going to totally eliminate China, obviously, but it does start to spread it out a little bit more. And I think in the long run that's healthier for the soybean industry, and we're not as dependent on China, which has created a lot of our problems.
1: Yeah, talking this week with the chairman, or rather the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Dan Hallstrom, the numbers for our meat exports this year, considering all that's been going on, have been really good.
8: They really have been, and uh, I think that's been one of the uh, well-kept secrets uh, of the year. We have increased uh, pork and beef uh, production this last year by notable levels, and we have absorbed that demand Uh, And uh, when you start breaking down the numbers, it's impressive. And and U.S. consumer demand has been doing well. For a long time, we were seeing a per capita consumption of beef really plummeting here in the United States. But in the last four or five years, it's been seeing some healthy growth and coming back as the economy has recovered. And, And that's a real positive. Then you add in the export business. We are starting to really reestablish our strength in that area.
1: Arlen, we know a lot of this crop this year in storage, Uh, we're starting to see some stories more and more about concerns over the quality uh, of that crop.
8: And and that's particularly a concern, I think, for the latter harvested uh, portions of it, so uh, that becomes a greater concern, particularly for the on-farm storage as we get closer to spring and it starts to warm up and it needs to be moved. Obviously, that's a concern uh, for exports or for the ethanol, the end user who's going to be using it. You get lower quality, though, that also means you have to go through more bushels in order to get the the productivity that you want. Um, And uh, so hopefully that will help with our demand numbers from that standpoint, as long as we don't have considerable competition.
1: So you're not seeing any big Christmas uh, surprise, pleasant surprise in the markets here at the end of the year?
8: Well, that's still possible, as I said, with the feed grain side. Uh, We're hearing the possibilities of maybe 10 to 12 million metric tons of corn, maybe 2.5 million metric tons of grain sorghum. Certainly they've been buying notable quantities of of pork over the last several weeks. We expect that to continue. Um, But we're also hearing the possibilities of them making some purchases of ethanol and DDGs. All of those things would start to help uh, put a little bit more of a positive spin versus the negativity we're seeing in the soybean market.
1: Yeah, this year or early next year on those?
8: Well, when you're dealing with China, timing is always a question. Uh, some of the chatter that we're hearing now seems to be maybe January. The, the the private buyers we talk to are anxious to do business, but they're scared to do so until they see Costco take the lead, see the government agency take the lead, and then they're, they're willing to follow. So that's kind of what we're watching for.
1: The ethanol purchases, if we could get that going again with China and DDGs, that, that, that would be significant.
8: That would, would certainly help these margins that had early been in the tank on ethanol. And, uh, and if you start improving those margins again, start uh, strengthening that demand, that would help on the domestic consumption of corn as well.
2: Hey,
1: what, uh, what's the wheat picture?
8: On the wheat, we hear a word of possible 3 to 4 million metric tons of wheat. I thought at first maybe it would be milling, high-quality milling wheat to blend with the supplies. They have massive supply. They have 54% of the world's wheat, surplus wheat. Um, but uh, as uh, we've looked deeper into it with our people there, it looks like their supplies of higher-quality milling wheat are good. What they're short of is be the equivalent of our soft-red winter wheat. So we may see some soft-red winter wheat go into China.
1: What are you hearing out of Russia?
8: We're hearing that supplies are tightening up there, and uh, there's there's a difference between running out of wheat and having it out of position. And I think basically where we're at is they've exported much of the exportable wheat out of southern Russia near the ports, which means you have to start freighting it in from further away, And and the Russian government's able to control that by controlling the rail and the availability of rail cars, and so we're seeing signs of that just slow down the whole rail system and availability of cars. Russia can keep exporters from exporting too much without actually doing an embargo on exports. And uh, so that's what we're starting to see happen and why we're seeing our exports here starting to pick up.
1: You know, 2018, we'll look back on the year as the year of trade tariffs and tensions. Hopefully 2019 will be the, the year we'll think of trade deals getting done and, and move forward. Uh, Maybe the the door finally gets unlocked and things break through.
8: Yeah, I think so. I think 2019 is going to be the year of renewed trade with China, maybe in their better terms than what we've seen, because with China they'd pretty well closed the door to just about everything but soybeans, and they were starting to close that door as well. But I also think it's going to be the year of the African swine fever and Mm -hmm. how that uh, reshapes the protein uh, markets in the world. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep it out of the United States. And if so, that should position us well for uh, helping meet that demand.
1: All right, as always, Arlen, thanks for the perspective. We appreciate it.
8: Thank you and, and Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Coming up next we'll tell you about a partnership between Robo Agrifinance and Conservus, to uh, help technology, develop technology that uh, hopefully will translate to field and production data and into then financial results for farmers. We'll tell you all about it next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
5: We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you.
0: Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and week in review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Or you can search for the American Ag Network.
4: This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill.
0: Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device.
6: Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you
0: didn't choose this,
6: but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
4: What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and
3: as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has.
4: Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
0: Information farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on Agriculture Now, back to Mike Adams And joining us now is Sean
1: Smines General Manager of the Central Territory with Bravo AgriFinance Sean, thanks for joining us uh, Tell us about this new partnership you've entered into
9: Well, we've entered into a partnership with Conservis, a data software company where uh, we're going to do a co-marketing and product development through their through their company out to all of our clients, so we're really excited about it uh, and the, to be getting involved in the the data side of farm agriculture.
1: How did this come about, and why did you want to get into a partnership like this?
9: Well, I, I think what it comes about is is you know we have this dilemma in the agricultural area of you know we we have this obligation to feed the world, and and the best way to feed the world is to use your resources as efficiently as possible and uh, We believe being able to manage data for the farmer, being able to organize in a fashion that there's good traceability, being able to see where they can make different changes or add a little margin to their side of their business is going to be very, very beneficial in the future, and it's really just bringing the the ag tech with the fintech out there, and we think that's going to be kind of the wave of the future.
1: Yeah, we've seen a couple of things happening here. Uh, one, the gathering, the collection of data, but then also along with that then attempts or efforts to find ways to make that valuable or, or show its potential value, make it profitable, make it help uh, a farmer's individual operation. That's been somewhat of a challenge.
9: It has been a challenge because it's, it's been very disconnected with all the different products that are out there and the software that's out there, the, the unique thing about Conservis and their platform is it attaches to all those different sources and brings it in to one, as we call it, a data warehouse where the farmer has it all right at his fingertips, ties it all together seamlessly. He may be using a variety of different systems out there, but this is the one place he goes for all of his records, all of his information, all of his reports. And then on top of that, he owns that data. He controls that data. And from that place, he can give that data to whoever he wants, but it's just not automatically. He has it, he owns it, he controls it to his benefit.
1: Can you give us an example of how a farmer can use that data uh, to drive financial results on their operation?
9: I think where it really makes big sense is, is you can you can look at your production costs all the way down to a field level, meaning from what you put on that field in planning, uh, what you type of fertilizer and chemical you put on that field, to what production you get off of that field. And you can make wise financial decisions then are uh, am I paying too much rent on that field? Am I uh, planning the right crop on that field? Should I be trying a different type of crop? Should I be doing a cover crop? It, it gives you a variety of different choices, and i like to say like sometimes farmers do it on their gut feel and their past experience. This now gives them the facts and it actually it it the facts go and they almost represent and check with their gut. So you can match mm-hmm. them up and but it's a very helps with a very factual decision making process that directly fi- uh, ties into your financial performance.
1: Or maybe when you see the data it may tell you a different story than what your gut had been telling you. Maybe uh, you say, hey, I, oh, I didn't realize that. Maybe I do need to do something
9: different. It, it definitely does. And I think that's, again, a very important part is maybe I need to be doing something different. Other options, uh, other parts of it too, Mike, is is when you sit down with your landlords every year and you have to negotiate your rent or show them, you can show them what, you, what happened on that exact field that you have. And It might be good that maybe the uh, landlord's not getting enough paid enough for the the margin with it, or on the other side, maybe the farmer's paying too much, and he can sit down there and show this is what we're making off that property and doing that. So there's a whole different variety of uses for it. What we see in the financial industry is being able to have that all in one source where we get it accurately so we can make good decisions also for the farmer and meeting his capital needs.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to get into that. Uh, from the Robo AgriFinance standpoint, how do you uh, see this being of value when you're working with a customer?
8: First and
9: foremost, I can't stress enough, the customer owns his own data. So we don't have in this relationship any automatic feed into his operation of seeing the data. He has to give permission for that, that data. Once we get a streamline of that data information, it's real time. And where and it's 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 done in a real time nature where the farmer is just doing it naturally for all the connections that he has in this data warehouse on his operation that the data is up to date. so we will get a real time picture from a financial perspective of how the farmer is doing. We can help them see ahead of did you know hey it's getting a little tight on your capital needs? Hey, maybe we need to up your line of credit uh, maybe you uh, want to look at uh, expanding in this other area that they see some opportunities where you're doing real well at. So give them also uh, some some guidance or, you know, even in an indirect way, some advice and, and direction of, hey, here's some things that you should consider.
1: Important that you emphasize that the farmer owns the data because this has been a big concern since this issue started developing. Who owned it? Who had access to it?
9: Yeah, I cannot stress that enough, and that's why we... Um, you know, we as a company are very, very in tune to that. I mean, it's the farmer's data. There's no there's no doubt about that. And the information that we believe they're going to share with us or open it up to share with us is what they're going to have to provide to their financial institution every year, no matter when they go in for the renewals or they want a new loan. This is just going to help them get it organized and hopefully a push the button at the end of the year is saying, push the button. Pull out three, four reports. I can go directly to my bank, and they can make a decision on what they want to do with the next steps. So, I, we can't stress enough. They control it. They own it. They can decide who who looks at it, and it's a great platform for that.
1: Starts right away, or does it take some time to set up?
9: Well, it starts right away. I mean, what we can do is uh, really the process is, is we introduced to, to a lot of our clients. We introduced Conservis as a partner and uh, what they do is they're very high on their customer service. Unlike a lot of companies, they come out directly to the farm. They sit down with a farmer over a two- or three-day period. They put all of the information to help them get it set up, and then they have a direct support system and a direct person that helps them throughout the process. So it's a subscription service, and it's, it's a very high, a high human touch to a technology company.
1: All right, that's Sean Smines, General Manager of the Central Territory with Rabo Agri Finance, talking about their new partnership with Conservis. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.